Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to be back with our second season of the Frontier of Finance. We were frankly shocked with how popular the first season was, and we're very excited to be back. We've got some fantastic guests lined up. You'll hear from new asset management companies, as well as some familiar names from season one. New funds, diverse asset types, and a deeper look into the wealth industry trends. We've got it all here, and we're so excited to have you join us. I'd like to welcome back McKenzie Investments. You may have caught our first episode with them back in December about ESG solutions. Today, we'll be discussing a new product in McKenzie's alternatives business. I'd like to welcome Michael Schnittman, who is a Senior Vice President and Head of Alternative Investments at McKenzie. Michael holds an MBA from Harvard and brings 20 years of financial services experience to the table. Previously the head of product, today he leads the vision of McKenzie's alt business across liquid alts and private asset classes. Michael, it's great to have you join us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have McKenzie Investments back on our show. At the end of 2021, we spoke with Fate Secure about McKenzie's sustainable solutions. Today, we're back here with you to speak about new innovative solution coming out of McKenzie's alternatives business. And so, Michael, before we get into that specific product, why does the alternative fund space exist and what does it offer that traditional or non alt products can't? Well, the alternative space has been in existence for decades. And institutional defined benefit pension plans, endowments, and foundations have been availing themselves of alternative strategies, alternative asset classes, and private markets for decades in order to provide alternative sources of return, diversification, lower correlation to traditional asset classes, and uh, growth potential. And so we've heard a lot about the alt space, I think, especially recently, it's been getting a ton of coverage What do you think is driving so much demand for alternative funds? People have finally realized over time that a traditional balanced portfolio, which most people have, is balanced in asset allocation, maybe at 60-40, but not necessarily balanced in risk allocation. And I think they've started to realize that the equity portion of their balanced portfolio actually has about 90% of the risk of the overall portfolio. And so they've realized that if you want to diversify the sources of risk, that you need to have alternative asset classes and investment strategies to do so and build a more efficient overall portfolio. That's really interesting. So you're saying that currently within somebody's balanced sort of 60-40 split, that that 60% of equities is sort of potentially carrying more like 90% of the overall risk of the portfolio. And so trying to find ways to reduce that risk so that the risk allocation matches more of the asset allocation makes a bit more sense to meeting financial goals. That's exactly right. And I would note that defined benefit plans, pension plans, which most people decades ago had through their work, have gone away. And in the last 20, 30, 40 years, there are fewer and fewer people who are working at companies that have pension plans. And so the responsibility for accumulation and managing through retirement has shifted from the company's pension plan to the individual. And because, as we just talked about a few moments ago, pension plans and DB plans, they all had and have access to and use alternatives, 
defined contribution plans, they haven't had them historically. It's stocks and bonds and generally mutual funds. And so people who are now in charge of their own destinies don't have alternatives as they used to. And so they're coming to realize that and they're saying, gosh, I need to reinsert alternative components to my overall portfolio. That makes a ton of sense. And as people are shifting more to to managing now on their own or with an advisor, uh, yeah, you definitely need exposure to that asset class. And I really want to get into this because at the end of January, McKenzie announced the new McKenzie Northleaf Private Credit Interval Fund, MNPCIF. And what's interesting about that fund is that it's Canada's first interval fund. So before we get into the product, would love to know about what is an interval fund? An interval fund is something that is uh, a fund that is prospectus-based, and there are a lot of these in the United States. However, in Canada, there aren't any. So an interval fund has abilities to make purchases and withdrawals or redemptions at scheduled intervals. So it's a vehicle that allows for private markets content, which is relatively illiquid, to be put into, in our case, a prospectus-based fund. And so someone can buy our fund on a monthly basis and redeem it on a quarterly basis. And half of the portfolio, in approximate terms, consists of Northleaf Senior Secured Private Credit. And that's loans to private companies that are floating rate loans. And these are companies that are in bona fide businesses with strong cash flows located in OECD company uh, countries. So these are loans that have covenants. These are loans that have elements of rigor to them. So That's half the portfolio. The other half of the portfolio is active ETFs in high yield and floating rate fixed income. The liquid portion, which is the active ETFs, provides the liquidity sleeve or the liquidity stream that's required in order to offer the intervals. That's really interesting. And it's interesting that it's the first in in Canada. I would love to know why you would need an interval fund or what type of client would be best suited to working with an interval type fund? Well, an interval fund is open to all retail investors, or the I should say the McKenzie Northleaf Private Credit Interval Fund is open to all investors. They have to have a broker in order to access it with an account size minimum of $5,000 for the interval fund, a minimum investment purchase. Mm-hmm. But people will need access to private credit because if they're only accessing publicly traded credit securities, then they're missing a huge opportunity set out there. Only a few percent of the companies that exist in the world are publicly traded or have publicly traded securities associated with them. Therefore, if you want to avail yourself of the breadth of opportunities that exists in the world to make investments, you should have private markets as a portion of your portfolio at all times. And what you can do is you can reduce your 40% of your 60-40 portfolio by, say, 5% and allocate that 5% to private credit. 
So the McKenzie Northleaf Private Credit Interval Fund provides significant accessibility to private markets. Can you explain how it's possible with this product? Sure. So with Northleaf, they have a $10 million investment minimum for their institutional clients. And McKenzie has a strategic partnership with Northleaf where we've taken care of making all of that commitment at the McKenzie level. In addition, we manage all of the capital calls and all of the capital commitments associated with that so that the advisor and the client only sees on the McKenzie Northleaf Private Credit Interval Fund their $5,000 minimum investment, and that's all they have to do to buy into this. Traditionally, private markets have only been accessible to institutions who have the wherewithal to withstand multi-year hard lockups as well as significant investment minimums like the $10 million that one would have to pay if they were an institution going to Northleaf. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, with McKenzie being able to leverage your relationships and your own ability to work with these types of companies, makes a ton of sense how you can take a fund product and an asset manager and then be able to give really wide accessibility to and actually make it possible for individuals to have access to these traditionally institutional type products. We've given the balanced portfolio as sort of the typical example of of somebody who's using this. Would you say it's only applicable to people in balance? Would it be applicable to retirement type accounts? If you're an advisor, what type of client are you thinking about who this could potentially fit for or a type of financial goal that this could potentially assist with? I think this fits with any client. And there are a variety of outcomes that clients are trying to achieve. Some are trying to achieve longevity. So if you're trying to achieve longevity, you need something that's going to have relatively high yield. And these senior secured loans in today's environment of February 2022, the McKenzie Northleaf Private Infrastructure Fund is a net yield of around 5%, which is very healthy. If you're looking to uh, fight inflation, these loans are floating rate and they rise with interest rates. And so you can fight inflation with these products. If you're looking for income, well, we already talked about the net yield being relatively robust. So this can satisfy that outcome. Volatility. Some clients are looking to manage volatility. Fixed income has lower volatility than equities. And in addition, private markets fixed income has a relatively lower volatility than other areas of the marketplace. In general, private markets have lower volatility than publicly listed daily traded securities. So you could have outcomes you're trying to achieve in all of these areas, and a private credit allocation would do a great job for the overall portfolio. I'd love to dig in on that because I think it's, it'd be helpful just as, as people speak about alternatives and especially private markets. You made, made a point there where you said that private markets generally have lower volatility than publicly traded equity markets. Is there any reason around that? Is it just, is it because of the longer terms? Um, is it because the illiquidity makes it more difficult for things to so accurately reflect the day-to-day feelings of investors? I'd love to, to, to give our listeners just a quick 
couple tidbits to talk about as you're just generally speaking about the difference in volatility between private markets and public. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the, the to your point about the illiquidity, that's a good one. And I would extend it to basically say that um, the volatility of daily traded, publicly traded securities is partially due to the fact that they're marked to market every day when the market closes versus privately traded securities are marked to model accounting, which means that every day you're not figuring out that a loan that was made to a private company that has 12 veterinary clinics, you know, that the value of that is not going to change every day. It's not traded on an exchange. And so, you know, at best you can really do a weekly valuation on that or a monthly valuation, or sometimes in private equity might be a quarterly valuation. Just like every day you wake up, your house is not going to change in value overnight. And if you got an appraisal today, and an appraisal tomorrow, you probably would have from the same appraiser, the same appraised value today and tomorrow, because it's a highly illiquid, privately traded security versus if you look at uh, one of the Dow 30 stocks that's traded on the New York Stock Exchange, you know, that the, there's it's publicly traded and there are massive amounts of buyers and sellers all creating a theoretical efficient market minute by minute. And uh, they're marked to market which is a very different valuation mechanism than private markets. That's really helpful. I think sort of being able to explain that as an advisor, the structural differences and how that can impact the volatility will be really helpful as advisors try to explain you know, how to get into alts, why to spend time in the market, why the McKenzie Northleaf private credit interval fund might be helpful for them. And as you're thinking about that in a portfolio, if we go back to that that hypothetical sort of 60-40 split, how would you pair or fit this fund into a general fixed income strategy? I would take 5% of a general fixed income strategy, and I would allocate it to the McKenzie Northleaf private credit interval fund if the advisor feels that it's best suited for his or her client, and, and reconfigure the fixed income portfolio around that. That makes sense. And then how are you expecting this product to perform differently from publicly traded type or non-alt type fixed income products? Like if I'm an advisor, am I expecting just lower volatility? What would I be thinking about as I'm trying to craft that strategy around this product? Yeah, you'd be looking at similar levels of yield to high yield and floating rate fixed income, similar to slightly higher yield with lower volatility and a whole new opportunity set of companies that you're investing in through the credit side. That would be really helpful as an advisor trying to consider how to craft a fixed income strategy around this product. This is the first interval fund in Canada. It's the first interval fund with McKenzie. Do you see or do you anticipate seeing additional interval funds becoming available in Canada, either through you or through uh, the market generally, now that the first one has uh, landed here in Canada? Perhaps over time, but I don't see anything in the foreseeable immediate future. Then from a fixed income and alternative fixed income space, that seems like just such a huge opportunity as people are trying to manage their own retirements, you're trying to work with advisors to manage your retirement. 
Do you kind of see that space continuing to expand, whether it is interval fund or not? I do. I see private credit expanding exponentially. There are fewer and fewer companies that are publicly listed every single year because there are onerous burdens to being a publicly listed company and to having publicly listed securities, reporting burdens, ability to uh, keep things confidential that you want to keep confidential and things of that nature. And so if you have fewer and fewer companies available to the public, then by definition, you should be expanding into the private markets to avail yourself of those types of securities. I would say that uh, private equity and private infrastructure are also areas that will continue to grow significantly, just like private credit. Private equity is an area that is booming because you have very strong return profiles due to illiquidity premiums, due to the ability of private equity investment firms to take control of portfolio companies that they own, take board seats, make operational improvements. They also have the ability to do deep due diligence during a confidential purchase and sale process and understand the dynamics of the industry channels and that particular company's dynamics when they're doing due diligence. So the opportunity for growth in private equity is very, very strong. Likewise, in private infrastructure, same thing. If you're looking at publicly listed infrastructure funds or publicly listed infrastructure-based equity securities, you're not just getting exposure to private infrastructure projects like the revenue generated from a wind farm or a bulk tank storage facility or a fiber optic network. You're not just getting that yield and that capital appreciation. You're getting equity-like volatility because your listed infrastructure is listed companies traded on a stock exchange. And so you don't have the full low volatility experience when you're buying publicly traded infrastructure. So this general story really extends to private equity, private credit, and private infrastructure. Now, I think you've really effectively articulated the reason why the alt space is blowing up and the reason why you're seeing so much coverage, why you're seeing so many products being created in the area, and why people are starting to allocate more of their of their uh, investments towards that because in a long-term investment strategy the illiquidity is less relevant if you don't need access to the funds every day just like an interval f- fund if you, you can access it once a quarter for for many long-term investment strategies given the nature that they are long-term that day-to-day availability and that day-to-day liquidity isn't necessarily congruent or isn't necessarily relevant to a long-term investment strategy until you get into the decumulation phase. And so I think that makes a lot of sense as to why so much of these products are starting to uh, enter the market, why people are continuing to go to funds is a really effective and efficient way to gain access to these products and to gain access to increase their exposure beyond just equity markets and just publicly traded products. I think that point on infrastructure you just made really clearly articulates how the 
pricing mechanisms of public markets can have such an impact on volatility, even if the underlying service is relatively straightforward or relatively low, low volatility. And so we've talked about private credit. Are there any types of private equity funds you want to highlight? Sure. I would uh, love to talk about our private equity replication fund. That is a very unique structure because that is a liquid alts mutual fund, 81102 fund. That is not a private markets fund. It has a $500 investment minimum and it is daily valued. In a nutshell, it replicates the return and volatility characteristics of true private equity, but provides accessibility to all IROC advisors and their clients because it's a liquid alts mutual fund. So we take the Russell 2500 benchmark, which is the hunting ground of securities publicly traded that most represent what private equity investors would be looking at. In other words, that market cap size, low multiple securities. And then we take a proprietary database that provides access to every single private equity U.S. leveraged biotransaction that occurs. And we can know what industry that took place in. And then we make our industry tilts in this fund mirror those of the private equity marketplace. So that the replication of private equity is in fact exactly what the industry, the private equity industry is doing as a whole. That's not the whole story though, because as you'd probably know, germane to private equity investing is the application of leverage. So we apply 40% leverage to the fund, which mimics the leverage, which is on average what a PE firm would apply when doing a buyout transaction. And then the final piece of the puzzle is portfolio construction through a tail risk hedging strategy. We mentioned earlier in this conversation about the lower volatility that's fundamental to private markets. Well, because we're using publicly traded securities to replicate the characteristics of private equity, in order to complete the picture, we have to tail, do the tail risk hedging to manage the volatility and bring it down to be more like what private equity does and produces. And so the standard index for private equity is the Cambridge Associates Private Equity Index. And over time, our fund has produced returns and volatility profiles that approximate the results of the Cambridge Associates benchmark with industry characteristics that also reflect what PE is doing. Wow. So you're getting another product there, and that's much more following on the equity side, which I think makes a lot of sense. But it just goes to show how many new products are being positioned or created or available in this alt space. I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge for advisors to help articulate the rationale behind alt products, articulate what clients are getting into when they're thinking about alt products, the characteristics that they'll have, how they're going to be nicely matched with traditional products and traditional equity market funds and ETFs and whatnot. And I think that's going to be a really interesting challenge as people continue to go and try to say, okay, how do I best meet my retirement goal? How do I best construct this portfolio to meet my financial, my financial 
goal. And I think that's a really interesting insight on on primarily Mackenzie Northleaf private credit interval fund, but also an awesome private equity option as well as people continue to explore how can I use alts to help my clients meet their financial goals. Yes. And I would also say that if advisors and clients have questions and want to get further educated, we have an extensive array of educational training materials and videos on the McKenzie website. In addition, we have on our alternatives team, a dedicated group of portfolio specialists who can accompany wholesalers to advisors' offices to talk about these various strategies and how to implement them from a portfolio construction perspective into advisor portfolios. So the real opportunity here for advisors is to help their clients modernize their portfolios, and we stand ready to help advisors any way that we can to do so from an education, training, and resource perspective. That's really helpful. I think that's going to help a lot of advisors as they're trying to find ways to easily build these portfolios and then articulate it to a client of how it's going to help them meet their financial goal. So Michael, I really appreciate your time. It's awesome to have Mackenzie back on the podcast and welcome to season two, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The world of alternative investing is on the rise especially in private credit. While your clients are likely familiar with the public stocks and bonds, they may not have had exposure to the possibilities outside of these asset classes. This is another set of tools to help your clients meet their financial goals. It's also a great way for your clients to understand investment products and see them in three dimensions. While many of these alternative assets have historically been limited to accredited or institutional investors, New funds like the McKenzie Northleaf Private Credit Interval Fund provide a unique opportunity for retail investors to get in on private credit strategies and diversify their portfolio. Thank you again to Michael for joining us on the show and helping us kick off season two with a great discussion around investing in private credit and interval funds. Drop us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you join us. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode on The Frontier.